so it has a piece of you. And you're really anxious about whether this thing is going to work out, and so it has a piece of you. And you don't like how you left your last conversation with a family member. It wasn't right, and so that has a piece of you. And you know you're supposed to be doing something else, and, and you're not. And so then that, too, has a piece of you. And, and I get like this, and I feel divided, pulled in many different directions and feel like, well, which one of these pieces of me is the real me, right? And is my soul divided? And then I think with that comes this nagging, at least for me, a nagging feeling like there's something else out there that I know I, I should be doing, but I'm not doing it. And then really the concern what if that thing is my relationship with God, my spirituality, my soul? Feeling divided like this is not particularly comfortable. But then I come to Ash Wednesday service, and every year there's this word that Jesus uses, and it like cuts right to the bone of how I feel. Hypocrites. I don't really like that Jesus says that. And every time I hear it, I feel like it's an accusation of me because I feel like a hypocrite, pulled in many different directions. Said I would do that, but I didn't. Said I believe in this, but my whole heart is not in it. And when Jesus gives this conviction of hypocrites, it hits home for me. And that's when I know I need Lent. Jesus seems to be using it here, specifically talking about people who put on a public face of being very faithful to God, doing important works of service for their righteousness, but on the inside are hollow. They're, they're doing it for the praise. They're not actually doing it for God. That's the use that hip, that, of hypocrite that Jesus is using today. But when I hear it, I hear it even more broadly than that, to just talk about any experience or situation in our lives where we're kind of both in one place and in another, where we say one thing and we do another, or we believe one thing, but we don't act like it, or we believe another thing at the same time. I'm, do you have things like that where you, you believe something or you want something, but at the same time you want like the exact opposite of that thing too? You say, you know, I say it's very important to do something to act out your values, but then because of fear or other things or selfishness, you don't act them out, right? It might come in our relationships with ourself, our relationships with others, our relationship with God. I was thinking when the social network, the Facebook, that's what it was called back then, the Facebook, when it first started, you had an opportunity, I assume it's still like this, where you could declare your relationship status, meaning like your romantic partner relationship. And you could say 
that you were single, that was your relationship status. You could say that you were married. You could say that you were in a relationship. But there was, an, there was this catch-all category that always interests me. I always found it funny. Do you remember, does anyone know what it is? It's complicated. <laughs> and it's, I think everyone knows immediately what that means. There's no definition of it, right? But when you say that you're in a relationship, but it's complicated, I think a lot of people can relate to that. I don't think it's actually one type of relationship. It's more a stage between relationships where you're not fully this, but you're not fully that either. It's just complicated. And I would say that this describes my relationships in many ways, or um, my hypocrisy, you could say. I believe in God and I, I love God with some of my heart, <laughs> some of the time, but I couldn't say that I love God with all of my heart all the time. I also wouldn't say that I'm, I've rejected God or I've broken up with God, but I couldn't say that I'm in full relationship with God either. It's complicated, right? Or my relationship with my neighbors and the world around me. I have a call from Jesus to serve my neighbors, to put them first, to love them as myself. And I do try a lot of the time to serve my neighbors, but I could not say that I serve all my neighbors all the time. So I, wouldn't, I have not rejected my neighbors or tried to cut myself off from the world, but I also could not say that I'm in full loving relationship with all my neighbors either. It's complicated. Even maybe with myself. I know God loves me. I know that God seems to think that I'm valuable and worthy enough but sometimes I have doubts and sometimes I feel like, well, I'm not good enough at this, but I don't hate myself, but I couldn't say that I see myself the same way God does either. It's complicated. I'm gonna use this as a theme throughout the season of Lent, this idea of complicated relationships, because I think we all find ourselves in this kind of in-between place in a lot of our relationships with God, with our neighbor, with ourselves. We're not fully in, we're not fully out. It's complicated. And I think it comes from this division that parts of us are pulled in different directions and we don't fully live out what we say and we don't always do what we say we're going to do. I need Lent because of these complicated relationships, because of this division, this lack of wholeness. This is what I need Lent for. And this is what we come together to do in this season. There are some dangers 
as we begin a season of Lent, a season of time where we focus, where we maybe adopt some practices, a kind of piety to contend against evil, that's the words that is used in our liturgy, to try to realign ourselves, to become, to have integrity again, to lose this division. But there's a couple risks along the way. One of them would be if we only looked at Jesus' words about praying in secret. You know, he said, unlike the hypocrites, pray in secret. If we took that to mean that we all had to have just an individual piety, that all of our faithfulness, all of our Lenten discipline was just kind of between us and God. That was something that we could just shut out the world and go into you know, our room and do on our own. And I think that's a constant temptation, especially as North Americans, we're, you know, we're taught me, 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 everything is about ourselves. But that is not really the normal biblical model for piety, for living out your faith, for repentance, as we're called to. If you heard from, that, uh, from the prophet Joel, as we heard tonight, when Joel calls the people to repentance, he calls the whole people together. Go and gather everyone, the whole sanctuary, the whole community, all the people of God. And in case you were still wondering, well, yeah, but who is all? What does that really mean? Joel says, that means everyone. Go out and get the aged. Go out and get the children. Go out and get the babies. Go out and get people who are busy. Go out and get everyone, because salvation, this process of fixing, righting the wrongs, needs everyone. It cannot be done on our own. There really is no salvation that is not connected to the people of God. But we could also veer too far in the other direction and believe that our salvation, our faith, is just dependent on, like, well, whatever the group decides, or what the experts decide, or just to say, well, we'll leave it up to clergy to know the right way to be faithful. Or we'll leave it up to our politicians to fix the world's problems and bring salvation. And if they don't do it well, then it wasn't our fault because they were in charge. See, we could unload our responsibility to faithfulness to others and not leave any for ourselves. And then we veered too far in the other direction as well. Our call to faithfulness is a call to us as parts of a whole. Not just to the part and not just to the whole, but the call is to us as parts of the whole, where we as individuals fit into the whole people of God. And so when we hear this call to repentance, there's different images we can use for the idea of repentance. One of the good ones I've used many times in the past is the literal Greek definition of repentance. Metanoia means to kind of turn yourself again to the right direction, the right orientation, right? To, to get yourself in alignment. And that's a very good definition. But I want to draw from what Joel is talking about for the idea of repentance being a gathering. Repentance meaning getting all the parts that are scattered, 
all the parts that are divided, all the people who are pushed out, people that Jesus has called us to love and to care for that we ignore, and all the parts of ourselves that are divided and pulled in different directions, and to assemble them all together, to kind of bring everything back to God. It's kind of a repentance that's kind of like a family meeting. Have you ever had to call a family meeting? <laughs> you know, when something is going wrong in your household or your wider family, you call a family meeting, and it only really works if everyone is there, right? If the person who's having the problem doesn't show up to the family meeting, you're not going to solve it. So think of repentance, and we're going to use this as a theme this year, of bringing together all the different parts of our lives. That includes the good parts, the useful parts, the gifts that you have. It also includes the bad parts, the weaknesses, the temptations, the struggles, the hypocrisy, the mortality. We'll gather around the table tonight and receive ashes as a sign of our mortality, as a sign of where we come from, as a sign of to where we'll return, from dust to dust. And we bring all of that together. We bring it all to God and ask God to join us, to make us whole again. This kind of repentance is the treatment for hypocrisy, for a divided life. We're pulled in different directions. We say one thing and do another. The treatment for that is repentance. I don't say cure, because as long as we live in this world, in our bodies, we are going to be hypocrites and we are going to struggle with matching our beliefs and our actions or getting ourselves all aligned. We'll always have that struggle with us. So there is no cure for that hypocrisy on this side of heaven. But the treatment is repentance, is God's healing. As we bring together the divided parts, we bring together both our gifts and our failings and our need for forgiveness, the ways that we've been pulled in different directions, and to bring those things together as we make this journey. So if you have adopted something this year, if you are taking up a particular discipline, if you're giving something up, if you're adding something, if you're maybe taking some time to pray in the morning, or maybe you're undergoing a, a new Bible study, or whatever you feel called this year to do as part of your Lenten practice, it's all great. Let it be something that brings you to the whole, that brings you, along with other people of God, to wholeness. So don't let it be something that pulls you away, or something that is kind of only your thing. Let it be something that brings you as an individual back to wholeness with all the people of God.
to share both your successes and your failures as we make this Lenten journey together. Amen.